Yo, what's good, everybody? It's your boy, Jamie K, uh, at Raise Your Voice Academics, at Two Really Dope Dudes, at The New Negro, at whatever you want to call me. Just don't call me the N-word. But, uh, you know, man, my man, I got my G here, McDonald. What's good, fam? Yo, what's poppin'? What's poppin'? What's goody with you, man? Man, I'm just here trying to trying to do my thing, man. Today we had another rally. We had a whole, whole bunch of folk come out. Not as much as the last time, but the folks, the folks came out. Had a good message, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about it later on in the show. But um, it felt good to be out there today. That's what's up, man. Yeah, man. I I, I wanted to commend you about the work that you're doing, man. It, it's gonna get tiresome, and and a lot of people, you know, are not gonna be as active as they were initially. But uh, what I will say is that once you plant that seed, you know, that's kind of, you know, our job is to plant seeds, and I think that um, you know, the work will continue. So commend you for the hard work that you're doing, and and keeping the message alive and keeping those names alive uh, because it's absolutely needed. So I think you're doing a great job and, and uh, hopefully, you know, it catches flames and somebody else steps up to the plate, you know, when we're all dead and gone to, you know, keep the flame alive. For yeah, real. Man. yeah, man, facts on that, man. Cause it's easy to get tired. It's easy to get weary. You know, you don't want to do it no more, but like you said, man, we got to keep the names alive. George Floyd, Brianna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. Yeah. Man, don't let them die. So, you know, we out here pressing, man. So I want to shout out to everybody who's watching right now. Right now, uh, the 10 people, at least I think it's the 10 individuals, leave a comment. I see Don L live from New York. What to do, Don L? Good to have you on the show. Um, please post your comment, share it, like it, and let's get into it, man. So, yo, McDonald, man, you know, it's uh, Juneteenth was yesterday. Uh, people on both sides of the fence, some people think, yo, we need to not celebrate it and there's some people that are like yo we need to celebrate the day so i need to know man where, where do you stand how do you feel about juneteenth uh so i had you know mixed emotions of not mixed emotions but i had conflicting thoughts about it um and partially because um uh, i didn't fully understand the brevity or i mean the gravity of of what it really meant or what it stood for um i think that part of the gap in why there are so many people on so many different sides of the fence is it's a gap in education about it. You yeah. know, we had the opportunity of, of, um, of, of attending a zoom yesterday and shout out to Talitha for putting it on. She, um, she had a whole bunch of families together. She had the kids do some activities and, and they all did, you know, various presentations. And we talked in depth about, you know, the meaning of, you know, Juneteenth and the, and the purpose behind it and why we celebrated and so forth. Um, but I think that it's really a call to action. I don't think it's so much a celebration as it is a call to action, because I think for far too long, we've been a little bit um, dormant in our purpose and dormant in the fight. And I think that this is the first time that I've seen such a call to action um, tied to Juneteenth, plus coupled with all the things that are going on, that I think that there's a new awakening and people are starting to wake up and really really uh, fighting the fight. So I think that um, uh, for me, it was an educational thing that I that I didn't quite fully understand, um, you know, the brevity of it all, so. Yeah, man, so as you stated, like there are a lot of people who never heard of Juneteenth. And I'll be honest, man, I think, man, I didn't really start discovering Juneteenth until maybe about seven years ago when I moved down to Texas. Um, right. You know, like I never, never read about it in my textbooks, never heard about it in school. 
and never realized, man, that for two years, they, Texas was holding slaves. And it's in Galveston. It ain't too far from Dallas. Like, you know, right. you go to Galveston when we went, when we took the cruise with our wives, man, we was in Galveston. And to think, man, that they were holding slaves there longer than they should have. It's just crazy. So, I mean, my thing with Juneteenth is I understand. I can understand why people are like don't celebrate it. But I do understand that every holiday doesn't also always have to be celebration. It could be reflection, you know, right. and it could be introspection and thinking about ways moving forward. Because to be honest, man, I feel like not even acknowledging July 4th anymore and just rocking with Juneteenth. Low key. I mean, I never really I never really got down with July 4th anyway, based on the history that I understand that's tied to the holiday, the so-called holiday. Um, you know, I've never really you know, I mean, obviously, you know, if my, you know, if there's fireworks and things like that, barbecues or whatever, but in terms of like really truly acknowledging it, there's always been something eerie about it. Um, but I do think though that there's a, a, you know, now that there's a great push to make Juneteenth a national holiday, I think that it's absolutely something that we should, you know, um, that we should tag along on or really kind of clamp to. Now, I'm not saying that we should only, you know, support black businesses or support one another or really kind of uh, you know, fight the good fight one time a year. But I do think that uh, the solidarity around it all, getting people like-minded, you know, in a cluster all at once, I think is a great thing, especially for our people where we're not as united as we always should be. Uh, so I think that it's it's a good thing to, to mark a day to really kind of um, set it off for us. I, I really believe that. Yeah, man. I just love um, I love this wokeness that's happening in America, man. <laughs> like everybody getting woke, man. Everybody is like pro black, pro everything, wearing their black T-shirts. And I mean, I'm not mad at it. I wish it happened before, you know, right. but um, I, and I hate the fact that it takes like, you know, somebody has to die in order for like this to happen. You know, it's like, um. You know that Biggie song, man, on life after death, you're nobody till somebody kills you, man. So, you know, it's unfortunate that that's the case, but I'm glad that it's actually happening and that there's wokeness going across America. Oh, but you also know and realize that this, you know, Juneteenth wasn't popping until President Trump made it popping. Oh. So there's that, there's that gap to you, right? <laughs> Bro, if, if this show had angry emojis, <laughs> I would bad <laughs> angry emotion right now, yo. Your man, yo, I'm glad you brought that on. Your man had the nerve to say that he made Juneteenth popular and nobody knew about it. Yo, you talk about narcissism at its next level. Yo, I don't know if it get any worse than that, fam. Yeah, that was that was that was crazy That was crazy disrespectful. That was crazy disrespectful. Uh, but you know, we've we've come to ex expect that out of him. So nothing, uh, nothing he says or nothing he spews surprises me anymore. So therefore, it was just another one to tack onto a long list of disrespectful things he said. So it is what it is, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want to spend time talking about that dude. I don't want to give him no power because the dude uh, just makes my skin boil, man. But yo, so man, NBA. And has been up in in, in 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 arms lately because of your man, your man right here, Mr. Kyrie Irvin, has come out with some comments in regards to the NBA restarting. 
And so Kyrie is like, yo, there's protests going on. Black people are dying. We don't need to play in the NBA, that the NBA needs to stop. So I want to hear what the people have to say. And I want to know, um, I want to know what y'all think. Should the NBA start back in July? Or, or or we should be like with Kyrie. It's a distraction, and we need to focus on the protests. Um, from the standpoint of like whether or not it's just it, first of all, look, black folks are dying at a disproportionate rate than anyone else tied to this coronavirus. Um, I think that we yield we wield enough power that we can we can forego and 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 it'll shut everything down. I don't know that that we I don't know why we jump when these folks say jump when we can really hold them hostage and basically say now nah, we're not we're not going out there. You know, both the NFL and the NBA for that matter. I think that if if the players decided that they didn't didn't want to play, I think that you know, they have the power to really do that. So, I don't understand what these um owners really have over these guys, but if I were them, I, I wouldn't do it because I mean I just heard about the rate of deaths or not deaths, but um cases in, in Florida just today was like four thousand and in other parts of the states where it's like climbing still. So I don't understand the urgency to um I don't understand the urgency to, to get back to normal so quickly, especially when the stats are not in favor of that. So I don't know. Yeah, man, I agree with um Kyrie in the sense that it is gonna be a distraction. Because if people, the, the media is going to start shifting the attention to the players and they're going to start shifting the attention to the NBA and they're going to start shifting the attention to that. And then what's going to happen is people are going to start losing focus. They, they're not going to come out in March because the NBA game is going on. They're not going to, um, you right. know, they're not going to do all that stuff because, and I'm, yo, and you know, what's crazy, what's, what's sad about it is that you got people like Kendrick Perkins and a few other people who are out there and who are like, yo, you know, they're trying to mess with Kyrie's mental state. They're saying he's not a leader. And they're saying all these things because, yo, because they feel like he needs to um, he needs to sit back and he ain't no LeBron. But your man is absolutely right. It is a distraction. And and here's, here's my thing, McDonald. This is it. The NBA needs those players more than they need those owners. That's how I feel. Yeah, we are. We real. We having some technical issues happening right now. Yeah, yeah, man. So yeah, as I was saying before, so we got people chiming in, and they saying, "Man, we need our own league." Gina Drummond. We got Jeremiah Loveday. He says it's a distraction. We got as far as the NBA in regards to race relations. I actually think we need our own league and take our money and our talents out of their pockets and create a space for us man listen no one goes to the goes to these sport events for white athletes there may be a sprinkle here and there and i'm not saying that in a derogatory way it's facts and just about every sports arena that we play we dominate so if you take black talent out of basketball out of football hell in some cases out of baseball i mean you really are left with nothing I just don't understand why it is that we feel so tied to these organizations that if we leave, the world is going to crumble. I think even on a small scale, the, the, the uh, model that the big three has, has shown that it is possible that you can 
And these are, I mean, washed up players. These aren't even like A-list players, right? So imagine if you're LeBron's and, and all those other folks like really just said, you know what? It's a wrap, you know, and just took their talents to another league. I mean, it can happen. I'm not saying that it'll happen overnight, but I bet you if they if they decided to pull away and say, yo, we're not playing until certain things change, if they really did that collectively, I think we'd have a lot of change already. Yeah, man. It's like what we were talking about last week, man. The players have power. Like, the owners need the players. Without the players, there is no money because nobody is buying a $200 floor, or matter of fact, a $1,000 floor seat ticket to look at James Dolan. You know, like, or to no. <laughs> nobody's buying a nosebleed for these guys right <laughs> i know i'm not <laughs> so so really man look at the end of the day man this this slave ship of these sports um teams man i think more and more i think if these athletes don't wake up and realize that they're just i don't even want to call them indentured servants you know what i'm saying because they're pretty much like stuck tied to these contracts at least with an indigent servant, you're working towards your freedom. These guys are stuck. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, I just I just hope that, you know, um, in this season, people are galvanized and, and, and are in this so-called wokeness, you know, um, season. I hope that people really are are actually putting, you know, action to the words that they spew. Because right now, this is this is probably the most I've seen this many black people serious about a cause all at once. And I feel like there's something special about this moment. If we don't strike, it'll be another 10 years. Before, and it won't matter if somebody get kills tomorrow. It'll be another 10 years before we galvanize where we, that we are. That's right, man. And people aren't distracted. You know, they're, they're focused, right. man. The, and the players, man, players need to be the ones out there leading these marches, leading these on um, protests, and also doing the protests in the NBA. Because, man, I believe that what Kyrie said is going to be a distraction because now ESPN is going to be forced to talk about the NBA and all this other stuff. And I heard Stephen A saying some wax stuff like, yo, oh, um, this you, know, guy. you know, man, talking about if, if, if black people had stopped working in, in, in the civil rights movement, there wouldn't have been this or been that, which is not true, man. They were willing to lose their jobs for the sake of the other people that were fighting the good fight. And these dudes, yeah, yeah. And these dudes are millionaires, yo. They got bread. Right. Well, <laughs> these cats that saved, but uh, True. But yeah, but but yeah, man. I when Stephen A. Smith speaks, sometimes I just I just cringe because I'm like, dude, what what stupid thing of the day is he getting ready to say? He's pandering. He has a job, and without without the action in the NBA and sports, he doesn't have a job. So he's speaking from a place of desperation. So I get it. He's he's doing a master's bidding. I get it. Yep, yep, yep. I'm with that too, man. So the folks have been folks out there saying, man, doing, you know, man, they um that it's a distraction, man. Here's Jeremiah Love Day. Shout out. We have the money to start our own league and we will get sponsors. Word. I, man, exactly. And I wanted to say this too, man. The NFL owes like not only just a check, but an apology to Colin Kaepernick. Like oh man. I mean, man, like, like, like every stadium at the beginning of the NFL season starts, they all need to say, Colin, we are sorry. That's, that's it, man. To hear Roger, to see that, that statement from Roger Goodell, I felt was such a slap in the face 
when you could have done that three years ago. Right. You could, you could have swallowed your pride. You are you are the commissioner, bro. You you're not just some, you know, <laughs> like what you say goes. These owners are owners of teams, but they can't make a move without you. They can vote you out later on, but you already got a new contract. So what do you care? Right. So it was more so tied to you know, his contract and what he was getting ready to get paid and all of that. And that's why he sided with the with the owners or or Trump for that matter. I don't know. But this far down, look, I appreciate the fact that he 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 says that Colin was right. But you could have done that a long time ago. You had ample opportunity to step up and say something and he didn't. So while I appreciate the fact that he eventually said something, I'm not I'm not impressed at all. Yeah, yeah, me neither, man, because you were forced to say it. You were right. that's exactly so it's not a sincere apology, um, in in my opinion. But at the same time, though, man, like you could not have written the script any I hate the word to use better, but it couldn't have been done any more prophetically. Like poetic yeah, yeah, man, poetic justice. Colin Kaepernick is kneel is kneeling down to protest police brutality. Right. Here is a cop kneeling on a man's neck, killing him because of police brutality. Yeah, I I just don't understand it. I think that um, when it's all said and done, um, people are going to look back, man. And and this is going to be a really, well, I was going to say this was going to be a really shameful time in America. But then again, America has absolutely no shame. Yeah, if they would. They would. I mean, slavery and racism and 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 segregation and all those other things um, that have taken place in Jim Crow and all of that, I would have thought that they had shame, but you know, maybe this this will be a, just another stain because their robes already blotted with, with a whole bunch of crap on it anyway, so. Yeah, man, yo, man, the revolution is starting. Yo, when your sons, I mean, Crown and when Orion are in high school, man, especially probably Crown, they're gonna study 2020, yo. 20, they're looking at tweets, they're gonna be like, what? The heck happened in 2020, yo. <laughs> Madness, man. Like, I, 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 you know what? I, I'm actually excited about being alive during this time because I feel like while the change may not necessarily happen while we're alive, that we were actually here in that moment when when that paradigm shift was happening. Like, I, I just there's something different about these times that that just feel a little bit um i don't know it just feels different you yeah. know what i'm saying and yes we do have a lot of things to overcome and yes you know there are a lot of obstacles in the way but i feel like this is the first time that i felt that the average black person felt like they had a stake in yeah. it when you when you don't when you don't feel like you have skin in the game or you know, you have a cushy job, you live in a suburban area and things are all great and whatever, you know, and you're, you have tunnel vision as far as what's going on on the news. You may flick it on really quick and go about your business. But when it hits this close to home and things start to happen in places that they have not happened before or things that have happened, you know, that are happening that have not happened before, I think you tend to get like a dose of, of wokeness that you hadn't had before. So there's something different about this time. At least I pray that that's the case that um you know something changes and and we and we get on board for real yeah jeremiah say man he prayed 2020 will be the pivoting point in history me too man i think what's what's happening in 2020 um and let's i mean we could just go back maybe four years with trayvon martin um right you know, 
that, that was like a turning moment in my life when Trayvon died. And then the verdict that came out was just like, yeah. what the heck happened? Um, I think now, man, white people and other races or other groups are beginning to join in on the movement. Like I haven't seen that as much them out there protesting. And so what I'm hoping for is that they would just let black people lead it and that we'll see them because what we need right now, we don't need them just to show up at the marches. We need them to show up at the polls and to vote white supremacy out. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need them to, and I think, man, right now, the leader of white supremacy is Donald Trump. You know, right. I, I know that local politicians mean a lot, but there's something about the Trump administration that empowers white supremacists, man. Like, they just feel emboldened by him, yo. I agree on, I agree on that point, but I've always said this, and I'm a political science major, and my understanding of the political um, uh, arena, at least of at least in terms of tiers of important, the national government and the things that they do outside of you know appointing Supreme Court justices are low on the totem pole in terms of the impacts that they have. When you talk about redlining and those kinds of things, yeah. locally, your local governors, uh, local politicians have much more sway in terms of the black experience. Absolutely. So. If people are really truly serious about, you know, impacting change, and I have another point to make about something you said earlier too. But um, if we're really serious about impacting change, then yes, we do need our white brothers and sisters to join us at the polls and vote these people out. But it has to start at the local level. What's always been disheartening to me about voting is that we will come out in droves and we will stand in long lines for the national um, elections. Right. But then when local elections happen, they happen right under our noses and half of us don't even know that they're taking place. That's true. And so, and so you so. So, yes, I agree. Donald Trump is the face of white supremacy, is the is the is the orange and chief of, <laughs> of racism. But I think that we can't get so caught up on the the, the presidential election because it has less implications locally than local politics does. And yeah. to another point that you mentioned, you know, about, you know, white folks joining the fight, I had a question to ask you, actually. Do you think that the changes that we're looking for, that it's possible to achieve without white people joining in the fight? I don't know, man. I'm on both sides of the fence um, because they are the majority and we are mm -hmm. the minority. So they outnumber us in America. So. I do feel like sometimes when it comes to political persuasion or moving certain things that they need to vote in a certain block or a certain way. The other point, the other side of the fence that I'm on is like, I think we can still do our own thing in the, um, in the, individually without them. So take, for example, have you been following what's happening in Seattle? I have. Well, my wife put me onto it recently and Yo. it's, it's laughable to me, actually. It's laughable, right? But Seattle, man, they locked off the whole joint. And they right. sitting there with arms, and they basically said, yo, if you're not woke, you can't be here. And then I was reading, man, if there's somebody, and this will get into the defund police part that we're going to talk about. But I read that right. there's somebody in there who's acting up. Yo, they kick them out, and they tell all the guards never to let that person back in. Now, mm. Now that's boldness, right? And I think black people have communities 
where we probably can't go to that extreme, but that whole idea of using our money and letting it circulate in our community, I think that's a part of the empowering change that we need. We just, I think for black folks, man, we just really need to start playing chess and stop playing checkers. Right. And what I mean by that is like, yo, I mean, you know, cause I know you, I got my daughters, like I need to be like, Caitlin, I'm sending you to a school because I want to groom you to run for office. Right. You know what I'm saying? You're going to represent it because we got black people in office, man, that ain't doing what we need them to do. They doing the exact opposite. Call them what they are. They're puppets. <laughs> they're puppets. Look, man, let's not mince words. They're not. Yeah. They're figureheads. They're figureheads. They don't have a conscious, a conscience, and they don't necessarily have our best interest in mind. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, there are some really good ones in office, too. But I think the ones that don't represent, you know, what it is that they've been put there to represent in terms of people that got them in office, we need to vote those people out. And it can't just be along the lines of race. It has to be your purpose of being there has to be in tune with what it is that we're fighting for. I'm sick and tired of, you know, these these figureheads being in office that look like us, but they really don't serve our agenda. Yeah. So. Yeah, everybody whose skin ain't kin. KJ says, yo, I think white folk, white people can be very instrumental in the fight. Their privilege gives them a voice in spaces where mine will fall on deaf ears. I agree 1000% with that. Listen, <laughs> think about it in terms of, if, of a protest and the different treatment you've seen black folks receive and white folks receive. And so I'll, I'll, I'll do two parallels. So let's say we're protesting, but there are white bodies in terms of folks that are also guarding the black bodies that are in the crowd. Yeah, Cops are more reluctant to shoot rubber bullets into that crowd because there are white bodies there along yeah. for the ride. Simultaneously, uh, in these rooms and spaces where our voices fall flat, I do agree that you know you have to have people along for the ride that don't look like us now, they may not necessarily speak for us, but I think that they have to be in the room sometimes yeah. because there are certain doors that we're not even allowed in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that if that person holds the door for us to get in, and I think you can have a conversation with someone that you probably wouldn't have their ear. So I do think that we need to, this is chess, this isn't checkers, and we got to sometimes get out of our emotions and and use, use these folks like we've been used for years. Like yeah. I have absolutely no issues with that. So last time we talked about whether or not we should have, you know, white folks funding, you know, the funding the the, the cause. Yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, let's take their money too. Let's do that. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, change ain't free. Yeah. You know, it's not free. And 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 we don't. I mean, we have some money, but the more money and the more resources that we have. That's the only way you can really affect change. Yeah, yo, somebody hit us with a question, man. I, you know, man, you know, I like to go in. No, let's go there. I'm ready. What must the church do to advance the cause? I got the answer right now, man. <laughs> black people tithe and take the white people tithe and start giving it to organizations that are fighting for change, yo. Like my thing, I was talking to um Pastor Michael Kelly of Mount Rubido this week mm -hmm. and. I was saying, yo, if the church, you know, the church is out there talking about they having all these discussions about equality and equity and race and all this stuff. And I said to myself, yo, if you really want to show people that you care about equality and race, 
How about you take some of that billions, billions of dollars you got sitting up in some account and give it towards an organization that is fighting for justice and for equality? I've always said, look, I work in corporate America. Now I'm going to tell you that uh, if you really want to know what an organization stands for, look at their balance sheets. Yeah. Don't I don't care about, you know, town halls. I can give a damn about, you know, these these, uh, you know, so-called come to Jesus meetings about why they should take up black causes and all of that. That means absolutely nothing to me. If yeah. your money match your message at the end of the day, it's all lip service. Yeah. So until they actually start putting money where the fight is happening, until they actually are willing to come out of those comfortable suites and come down to the to the streets and actually protest and get involved and 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 they have leverage. They have they have the ability to lobby on behalf of of matters that impact their parishioners, and they have not. So until they actually start to do tangible, actionable things, I don't want to hear that smoke. Yeah, fam, you seen? Have you seen how many companies have already said, "Yo, we're gonna devote money to this, devote money to that, devote money to that." You know, man, they they're not even hesitating. This church, man, look, man, you could, and that's and that's the same thing with going back to the marching. It's like this, yo. Yo, it's cool. I'm glad you marching here with me, but put action to what you're doing. I need you yeah. to uphold, dismantle white supremacy, but I also need like this church to recognize there are black people that lost their, their jobs for this church, black people that lost their families for this church, black people, man, have sacrificed for this church. And you telling me you care if you care about equality and justice, then start a social justice ministry or give money to an organization. And don't give them the don't be like Virgil Abloh and give him $50. Word. Listen, somebody in the comments probably noticed, and, and, and I could be speaking out of turn. And if I don't know this, please educate me. I'm always open to be to be corrected. But I need to understand or need to know if somebody knows how much money has the Seventh-day Adventist Church put towards um, civil rights and actionable items tied to black folks. Just, just, just a number, a percentage, something. Because... Okay. <laughs> because I thought you were throwing up gang signs, but <laughs> but, but look, <laughs> but listen, if they hadn't done that, then in, in my eyes, it's all lip service. Until you listen, you can say what you want about other churches and whatever. Listen, they have an arm that's solely dedicated to the local communities that they're in. Yeah. When when more money of the seven Adventist church goes overseas and I have no, no issues with the causes that are over there. I want to understand how much of it is going to local causes right now that affect black and brown people. Dude, I don't know. And I, I'm going to say none. And I'm going to say that, but I'll say this, they give money to countries, to third world countries. They give money to, you know, um, to, to, to other places and build infrastructure. They give money to Africa and all these other places. When it comes to black black and brown bodies in America, nothing. But here's the other thing too, McDonald. It's like, yo, first of all, I don't even want to hear anybody from above the church level talking about race and justice and equality because you can't talk about that if you discriminate against women. Like if right. you're ordaining women, yo, don't even talk about equality. Don't even don't even have no conversation about yeah, we care about black bodies and all that stuff. You you practice you practice discrimination. Listen, if 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 we claim to love one another and we I mean, listen, man, 
I think we're at a crossroads, right? I think this time, and the reason I said this before, I think that we're at a, at a special time in history where a lot of things are gonna have to give. And I think that we have to make decisions you know, here and now about what we support and which structures we'll support and which structures we'll pay our money into. Because if, if, if we're, we're um, supporting this, the SDA church or any other you know, uh, organization for that matter, that is openly segregated, practice segregation, does not empower women and give women equal shakes in terms of what they would give men. Uh, you know, all these things that they've done up until this day, like, look, the fact that this church actually still practices some of the things that they do or operate in the way that they do lets you know where their hearts and souls are. Like, they don't care about black folks. They don't care about women in the church. And so the fact that we, we I don't know if it's the tradition because that's what our parents did. And so therefore we have to or what, but I'm at the point, I'm at the crossroads in my life now where I'm not just going to do something simply for the mere fact that that's what I've gotten used to doing. So yeah. if your if your theology, if your uh, your practices, if 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 the things that you stand for aren't in line with my values, I'm not paying into that system. I'm yeah. going to pay money into a place where I know my money's going to go to use to impact people that look like me. Yeah, yeah, yo, and this thing, right? The the main spokesperson for this church is a woman, right? It is, a <laughs> and yo, and I that, mark my words, man. If she were like to be resurrected from the dead and be here right now, we would worship her. There are people right. that fall down and worship her. She would be at every church behind every pulpit, and we'll be taking everything that she says as gold. Because I know, as a, from a pastor, I can preach about social justice. And it does not become valid until I find a quote from Ellen White that says that we should do it. And that's 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 just across across the line, man. So, yeah, it's it's, it's crazy to me. So, yo, I've, I've been tuning out anybody from above that's talking about it's not worth the conversation. Like it's not even it's it's almost like a waste of energy to even <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. So I want to get into this other this other topic that you know you brought up earlier that we wanted to talk about was the defunding of police. And yeah. so um if anyone's been paying attention to what's been happening in the news, um, then you would would know about what's happening in Atlanta and probably in some other cities that we hadn't heard about in terms of officers basically calling in mm -hmm. sick because they don't like the fact that one of the officers uh was charged and I'm thinking in terms of like, if it was just a regular civilian that didn't have due process and all of that and got convicted, they wouldn't, they wouldn't care. They'd continue on with their jobs. So again, right. So talking about where you put your money and, 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 and it shows where your priorities are. So now that, you know, things are on a national stage and monies are being pulled away and, and they're not necessarily just dumping money into policing. Now, all of a sudden you have their attention. Yeah. And I've said long ago, you want change, you start pulling some of that funding away, you start making the, 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 you know, pulling money out of their pension to settle some of these lawsuits. I bet you get their attention and not pay and not pay these lawsuits using tax dollars. Yep. I bet you get their attention. Yep. I am all for defunding the police, man. I am in favor of it. 150,000%. The reason why people have been pushing back is because a lot of people don't understand what it actually means. People think mm -hmm. that, getting rid of police 
it's not getting rid of police. It's just saying they don't need as much funding as they get because truth be told, when you fund the police with that much money, you're going to be cutting it from somewhere else. Right. Things that get cut are like parks and recreation, education, infrastructure. And so what the people have been pushing for is to say, yo, stop giving the police so much money and start investing in the things that can truly prevent crime. Because there was a study that went out. And I mean, I can even ask you, man, you as an African-American, um, do you feel do police make you feel safe? Hell no. <laughs> Yo, don't get me cussing around these Christian folks. I don't know. I've been in a situation where I've had an exchange with a cop where I felt safe. I've never been in a situation where a cop wasn't necessarily after me and they were just in the vicinity that I felt safe. So yeah. hell no. Listen, if you have if first of all, education is underfunded. We all know this, right? Right. You just have to come out of their pockets for supplies for um, things that's specific to their classrooms. And, and, and there's always not enough funding for education, but there's always enough funding for policing. Yeah. I wonder how, how, how much behavior would change if they had to come out of their pockets to pay for bullets, to right. pay for, you know, shields, to pay for bulletproof vests, for some of those things that they think that are essential to their jobs. Maybe they start feeling what teachers feel and, and maybe things will probably change. I do think that it's time that we defund police, not necessarily saying dismantle, well, we need to dismantle the system itself as it exists today. Um, but no one's saying we don't want police. We're just saying the way that it's, it's, it's structured today has proven over and over again that it, is, that it does not work. It yeah. just does not. Yeah, why at you, least not. Yeah, why are you funding something that don't work and you're giving more money, you're just putting more police in and in more black and brown communities, because you ain't putting more police in white neighborhoods. You ain't putting them in. And then, that, and then on top of that, these cops don't live in those areas, so they don't know the people, they don't understand the culture, they they don't understand how to communicate with those people. So we're you know they're talking. So as soon as they encounter someone that looks like you and me, it's like all training goes out the window. It's just kind of like all right, you're in the wilderness. These are animals, so therefore you should treat them as such. Yeah. You know, well, how are you policing people you don't even understand? Yeah, yeah. Like going back to Rayshard Brooks, that black man did not have to die, yo. Yo, man, if you had if you had more, uh, a much more um, better training or understanding of how to assess a situation, you could have just simply let the man sleep in his car. You, Yo, he's drunk, man. He's doing what you want him to do. Pull right. Up and sleep, right? It's like, yo, let the man sleep. Then like he's running away, bro, he's he's not armed. Let the man run, his car is still there. You're gonna get him eventually if that's what you're trying to do. Yo, these niggas are out of shape. They ain't wanna, they didn't wanna run the sprint. Let's keep it funky. They they couldn't keep up with a drunk man. So the only way they thought that they could dis, you know disarm him or whatever they needed to do was to shoot the man in the, in the back. If you have to shoot anyone in the back, yeah. That's all. First of all, that should, I'm I'm pretty sure that their training does not, um, you know, allow for that. You no. know, and then on top of that, to add insult to injury, these cats kicked the guy after he was already, like, like already dead. Yeah. Which lets you know it 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 all it's reminiscent of the guy kneeling on on George Floyd's neck. Yeah. Um, 
emotionless body, just just kneeling there, emotionless, yeah. just just in a daze, like just complete. It's just another day in the park for him. Yeah, you know, not, you know, they think about us, man. Yeah, and not even only that. Even during the protest, the police are beating people up, yo. Like they are roughing people up out there. I saw a video car hitting somebody down the police car ramming into people the horse ran over a lady they hit i mean yo they they are reckless yo like these are these are guys that got their lunch monies taken (laughs) their new sneakers taken or a girl ain't calling back or they didn't have a date to the prom and they're not taking it out on society right some of these like that and that's why i said you know um the psych evaluation that these guys need to go through before you even get to wear a badge the just this the whole the fact that you only have to attend police academy for six months i looked i saw i saw a meme uh a meme this week that said in germany i think there's like three years requirement of police school that you have to go through, go to Finland was like two years and some other place were like a few years that you had to like go through the police academies before you can even get a badge, before you can even get a gun. Yeah. And these guys are getting on the streets in six months. What's the, I forget what, what cop it was, but one of the guys, he, he had gotten let go or fired from another precinct to go to, he got sworn in at another one. And the day after he got sworn in, he killed someone. So y'all are just recycling these psychos from from one place to another. I say the people that have like called in sick in Atlanta that's playing this game. I say they don't need to go back. To, they don't need to come back to work. Yeah, deuces, man. Give them their pension. Give them, give them they check. They last check. Don't give right. them deuces, man. You should, you should forfeit that. Yeah, I'm all for it, man. Because like, it's not working, man. And and you said something that's so appropriate, man. The system is bad. And we're not saying all cops are bad. There's some no, that's trying to do a great job, but we're that, saying- But that's how they twist it. That's how they twist it. When you say the system is bad, they say that you're saying the individual police is bad. That's not what we're saying. Thing, the entire right. construct of policing that's in right. America That's bad. right. It was, it's rooted in slave watches. And this is, what it, this is what happened, man. When KKK was outlawed, a lot of KKK members join police forces. And so like you have this mentality to hunt and chase and kill black people. It's just embedded in within the system. And not only that, what makes it worse is the law, the law empowers them to do that because they're gonna get off. You know what I'm saying? They yep. so um there's this other thing that's something immunity. I forgot the first part, but California just said they're about to end it. So basically a cop can't use the excuse. And if he kills somebody, I feared for my life anymore. They can't right. that to get off. So, and that's another crazy thing, right? It's like, yo, bro, you got a gun, you got a bulletproof vest, you got a taser, and so you're supposed to have to been trained. How in the world yep. are you fearing for your life? Qualified immunity. Somebody just said oh, it's qualified. Immunity. That's what it is. Yeah. That's right. That's right. How are you fearing for your life? It's exhausting. So it's it's hard to explain to someone that has never ex- had an encounter with 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 police in the way that we have to um, 
you know, to even try to get them to understand what it is that we experience every day. I was on my way back to college one time and I had just gotten like this new car. I had like a 81 Bonneville and I was on I-95 headed back to Tallahassee, Florida with my brother and a friend in the car. Yeah. And we were, I think we were in Madison County. Madison County, if anyone knows about Madison County, it's infamous for, for ticketing and, and policing and over-policing. And so I just remember one time, you know, getting um, getting pulled over there and on my way back, uh, on my way to school, and I just got pulled over and, and the cop waited in his car. And then all of a sudden I saw about, three or four different squad cars pull up. And so we're sitting there, all my papers legit. So I'm naive. I'm thinking like, yo, we all good. I got my driver's license, got my new insurance card, my tags legit, everything. I don't smoke. I don't have anything in my car. So I'm good. Right. And I don't know my rights back then. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to obey the law and not get shot. So the cop was like, step out of the car. So I stepped out of the car and, you know, the cop, you know, said, do you mind if I search your vehicle? I don't know any better. I'm like, sure. So we have all our clothes packed in the trunk and they literally took all our stuff out of the trunk and our stuff is blowing all over the highway. And they're like going through the seats. They got dogs and everything. And I'm like, yo, is this even legal? And and years later, obviously, I found out that that was an illegal search. You know what I'm saying? But that's what they count on. They count on us not really knowing our rights to basically take advantage of us. So my white counterparts have never experienced anything like that. So to try to even get them to understand our experiences with police and, 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 and how they interact with us. And when you say defund police and for them to hear something as extreme as that, you know, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. How dare you, you know, (laughs) say defund police. And they've never experienced that before. So in their minds, they can be doing 100 miles in a 30 mile power zone. Their interaction with a cop is going to be maybe a ticket and they get to go home. Us, we going to jail, house, car getting impounded. We probably get shot, probably get killed. You don't even know what. So I don't even want to get stopped by the cops. My car's on cruise control. I don't even want to interact with cops at all yeah, man. i mean man it, it's a scary thing right that if you get pulled over for the police and you're afraid that you might you might not make it home white people as i understand they never have that thought or that feeling and that nervousness can make you do something jittery which can make you lose your life because right. you're, you're nervous you're like yo let me keep my hands on the wheel but my license is over here and then any like oh, you know man so i'm all for defunding yeah and for checking the police, yo. Yeah, somebody asked, what do you think of the statements given out by President Wilson in the North American division? Uh, trash. What did, he say? <laughs> what did he say? Yo, he, he gave some whack, weak statement um, and he tried to mix it with COVID-19 and all this other stuff. It, it was whack, it was whack, whack. This is my thing, right? It's like, yo, who's your PR? You know, who's your, who's, who's your publicist? Who, who are you talking to? I'm just like, listen, <laughs> the reason why you won't get a firm statement, the reason why you won't get um, you won't get like a statement that appeases us for real, for real is because they have no incentive. They're not incentivized to do so because we're like sheep. 
we'll continue to pay into the system and, 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 and things are gonna be normal. So this whole thing will blow over and they know that the black folks in the church are gonna continue to give faithfully. They'll continue to have the, 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 the tithe and offering um, videos running the church and people are gonna feel guilty and they're gonna send their money up to the conference. Yeah. It's gonna keep happening. Yeah. So we have no incentive to really like make any changes. But if you want change, you got to hit them in the pocket. And that's the only, they speak economics. This is a, they only speak economics. Yeah. That's all. I'm hey man, I'm glad you said it and not me, man. So I can't get in trouble. Cause you know, man, they always, they always, they always coming at my neck, man. Cause I, <laughs> Hey, I don't, I don't give a, I don't care, bro. because listen, I, listen, man, I was born into this church. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, a lot of the things that that I'm saying right now are things that I've been seeing for years. And when you're when you're so used to the way the status quo, you accept it as just the way it is. Until one day you wake up and you question, and you're like, "Whoa! Like, like what? Like really? Like they're not ordaining, you know, women, but they'll make them elders, but they can't be pastors. And like, who gets to decide? And is that a biblical thing? Is it a is it doctrine?" Like that kind of stuff, like when you when you stop and you start asking yourself questions, you just can't buy into the system anymore. Yeah. And that's where I am. So I don't fear none of the stuff that could potentially come down the pipeline because I'm not beholden to them. And I and I understand you and and and, and your situation. But as far as I'm concerned, uh yeah, our monies will be staying local to fight, you know, the raise your voice cause and all that other stuff. But all yeah. that other stuff can, Yeah. Somebody said, how can we hold tithe? You know, there's something called local tithe. Where, exactly. Yeah, there, there, there's something called local tithe. You know, people don't want you to know that, but there is something that is. That is just, that. Change, just just put the numbers on a different line. Trust me. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah you sure can, man. But yo, man, so this has been lit, man. So I know we had some technical difficulties. We're going to work it out, make sure that it's going to be on point next week. But yo. Uh, to all of those that are watching us, hit us with some topics. What do y'all want us to talk about? What do you think we should hit? Um, and you know, me and my me and my guy McDonald, man, we ain't afraid to uh, to to do it. Yo, I want to continue to shout out Father Fresh. Yo, Father Fresh, yeah. tell tell the folks about Father Fresh, dude. Yeah, man. So I decided to start a clothing line. Um, you know, just put out some dope stuff that you know that I would wear, things that you know I would throw on, and um, you know, just really kind of dedicate. Um, this this effort towards um towards you know fathers man just focusing on 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 brothers and 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 the messaging behind what it is that we're putting out there i just you know wanted to put something together it's actually fatherfreshstore.com but yeah. yeah check it out man we're doing some really dope things and um more exciting things to come here short shortly in the future nice man yeah man so you know man we on this old buy black and i want you to support right. my man you ain't get your father or Father's Day gift. You got time. He's got the sale going on, so yeah. you you can show them the receipt that you did think about. Them, but you know, man, he's got some hot stuff. Don't forget, raise your voice. That's my nonprofit. You can check me out. Oh, you got merch too. You got yeah. merch. Yeah, I got merch on there too, man. And so let me put it up here. Raise your voice. Academy, and you can go there. Go to the store. And you can find out stuff. All the proceeds go towards fighting social justice and just sure. quality and making sure that we all black owned stuff, as Jay-Z said. So, 
yo, man, we appreciate you. We love you. We care about you. I got a video about defund the police. If you want to see what that actually means, the Minneapolis City Council, McDonald, and this is uh, I, I mean, I stack the boss and raise your voice, and we signing out, man. Here we Peace. go. Oh, all right. You got it. There we go. The Minneapolis City Council, the city where George Floyd was killed by police two weeks ago, has pledged to dismantle. More than 10 million arrests per year, which boils down to an arrest about every three seconds. Our commitment is to end our city's toxic relationship with the Minneapolis Police Department, to end policing as we know it, and to recreate... Meanwhile, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio has already said he would divert money from the police department to social services. And Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti announced that he may cut up to dollars from the city.